Bickley and Marotta. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley Blast. Chris Paul has never had it so easy, and easy has never seemed so hard. Which brings us to the fourth quarter of Game 4 in Los Angeles, where CP, soon to be 38, made the Suns look like a legitimate, real-life super team for the first time since Kevin Durant arrived in Phoenix. He scored 12 points in the fourth quarter, 19 overall. He made the big shots, and in the process, he also regained a chunk of dignity, and that That's where this story gets personal, because in the NBA, opposing defenses will tell you what kind of priority you are, and they are now leaving Paul wide open. He'll never say so, but it must be highly embarrassing. I mean, this is a player with God in his nickname. Paul is also having a hard time with this role, because for 18 years, he has been the guy with the joystick, in control, working every possession on his terms. Now he's being asked to catch and shoot and make teams pay for their disrespect. It's not what Paul wants, but it's what the Suns need. And if Game 4 was proof that Paul is finally finding a comfort zone in this strange new dynamic, understanding that the finish line is all that matters at this point, well, that's a really good sign because no one will ask how that ring ended up on his finger. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. You can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Just playing this game for a long time, you know, we we, we learn in different ways. We, we seeing, you know, another play with this much talent, you know what I'm saying, where people are doubling off of me. Like I said last game, I never shot that many open shots. So it's, uh, it's something that I'm getting used to, trying to figure out when to pick your spots, when to be aggressive, and we're figuring this thing out on the fly. I'm just happy that, uh, you know, a few of them fell tonight. Yeah, that's what makes this such a fascinating basketball experiment, especially for those in Phoenix, for fans of the Suns. But you heard Chris Paul say it. Learning this on the fly. Mm-hmm. And it's not just him. It's everybody, really, mm-hmm. kind of learning this on the fly. Learning tendencies. Learning you know, practices in, in a big game situation. I, I can only imagine what the reaction will be. And, and this is the dream scenario, and I'm not predicting anything. But if the Suns change up their entire, basically the entire makeup of the team by getting Kevin Durant at the trade deadline... And only have the benefit of eight regular season games in the playoffs mm-hmm. to actually get acclimated to him. And they're the team hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy at mm-hmm. the end of this. There's going to be a lot of really pissed off teams around the NBA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. This is not the, I, there's really no precedence for what the Phoenix Suns None. are attempting to do. None. And, and so, but, but they've got the right crew to do it. And yeah. it's, they've got, they've got smart basketball players, high IQ basketball players who are being tasked with figuring this out on the fly. Unselfish players, too. That, too. That, too. And so I, I think we're watching Devin Booker ascend to a level on both ends of the court. It's not just on the offensive end where he's where he's beginning to dominate basketball games. He, he's playing a level of defense I, I haven't seen from him in no. his eight years. Um, and, and then it, you talk about Kevin Durant and his willingness to pass and move the ball along. 
Um, it's it's going to be real interesting as the quality of competition gets better and better, um, which I'm assuming it's which I'm assuming will happen because they are playing a wounded team, a, a wounded team that that is very competitive though and very hard nosed, and they get after it. So so it's definitely a test. It's definitely different than it was in the regular season. But but the idea now of of can teams run the Suns into into the ground? Uh, and I'll tell you that was the Clippers game plan going into game four they thought that short turnaround from game three to game four gave them the opportunity to really kind of test um, the the attrition that this is taking on them and you saw it in the basketball game so the Clippers were moving real fast made a lot of sloppy mistakes the yes. Suns uh, pre- predated on them a little bit jumped passing lanes created turnovers and and then they just slugged it out at the end and the Suns knocked them out at the end and that's that to me is something I think we're going to see a lot of. Yeah, and the other question too about the Suns that seems to be on you know the front of everybody's mind is the, the minutes allocation. Mm-hmm. They're three big players, and and DeAndre Ayton is playing less minutes because they have you know a suitable backup. And DeAndre Ayton's never been a huge minutes guy compared to the other three. Right, uh, but Bismack Biombo is given solid bench minutes right now, mm-hmm. but. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul are playing big minutes. The other thing to consider in all of this on the on the pro side is all three of those guys missed substantial time during the regular season. And yes, it was because of injury mm-hmm. or injuries, but that is time that you're not getting wear on those tires during that time. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant missed two substantial stretches. You know, Devin Booker missed what twenty five games in one stretch mm-hmm. after Christmas. Chris Paul was you know on the shelf a couple times. These guys didn't grind through eighty two games, which for this but particular d- scenario and example for the Suns might be a huge plus. I, I wonder though. I, I wonder if if professional athletes because they were given basically a week off after the end of the regular season. So uh, at that point, doesn't whatever you uh, whatever attrition you suffered or didn't suffer isn't it out the window at that point in time? If you if you got a group of professional athletes and you give them a week off, probably. So I, so but I, but I I know what you're saying and in theory it sounds right. I, I don't know if there's actually I, I think with the age of Kevin Durant and Chris Paul, uh, any miles you can prevent probably helps in the long run. And so yeah, so I think this is kind of the deal. If <laughs> in this it's the story of Game Five tomorrow night. Yeah, you, there, there was the, uh, the the one soundbite too um, where. Chris Paul says, what year is this for you, Kevin? Yeah. And he says, 16. He said, this is year 18 for me. And that's kind of eye-opening, too, on on the yeah. con side of this yeah. argument. That's 34 years of experience, and that's a lot of miles on those tires. So, again, I just... That's the one thing I can't get past is yeah. just how fascinated I am to see how this works out, just from a basketball <laughs> yeah. experimentation standpoint. You guys hit on this earlier, though. Close out the series. Mm-hmm. When you have a chance to end series early, end them early. Do not give any other this is, stress or yeah. minutes that yes, you don't this need. This is going to test the focus of this basketball team and, and and how they recognize this opportunity that's in front of them. The last thing you want to do now is get on a plane for Los Angeles. You want to go to Denver, but you don't want to do it right away. This is it, These opportunities, if, if you follow the history of the NBA, these, these opportunities are gold. Yes. Gold, and we all love gold. <laughs> and the taste of it, the smell of it, the I, feel of it. <laughs> am I wrong also? Have they never, in this run, never closed out at home? That's have right. You, have you been listening to the show, Jared? Uh, it, I'm just saying. So that apparently not, no, no, Vinny. So that now, how many? That's breaking news. 
six series. This would be the seventh one. Well, yeah, they uh, they they won three series two years ago. They won one. Uh, they lost, and then they yeah. lost, and they lost. Yeah, yeah. that's um, amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. It's and, and so this is uh, so you. To do this, you have to be cognizant of the desperation of your opponent. A lot of times teams do this, up 3-1, go home, they think it's over. I mean, we're already guilty of it. We're already looking forward to the Denver Nuggets. It's very natural to do so. And, well, that and this team is not against, in the re- the Clippers two years ago. Yeah. 3-1, had a chance to close it out, didn't do it. And didn't do it. So let's hope they learn that lesson. And, and I think now, I think they have, because I think this is a... <sighs> That's the wrong way to phrase it. I think this group of players are going to recognize and and put this team, the Clippers, out of their misery. That's what I think is going to happen. I'd be very disappointed if they didn't. I, you wonder, and the Clippers have been resilient. They've shown a ton of fight collectively. But the other thing to consider on the minutes discussion, too, is this series has only been four games. But it's been four games filled with high-tension minutes. That's true. There's been true. I, the, the biggest lead either team has had in this series through four games is 16 points. Clippers is, have had double-digit leads in three of these four games. Yes. So not only close it out tomorrow, mm-hmm. but a little bit of leeway, a little bit of wiggle room where you know you, you could close it out with uh, you know some of your reserves Darius Baisley on yeah. the floor at the end of the game yeah. that would be nice well it, and it really it really i think a lot is going to be predicated on on just the the vibe that the clippers have do they feel it's futile at this point in yeah. time i mean no one is even bringing up Kawhi as a potential return in game 5 which is stunning to me no. you would think that this would be in the in an church. elimination game yeah. yeah i think he's going to be out until december <laughs> Score the hottest ticket in town. Suns playoff tickets. Just text ticket to 620-620. Register and listen for your name today in the noon and 5 o'clock hours for your chance to qualify for Game 5 tickets to see the Suns take on the Clippers once again. That's ticket to 620-620. Coming up, big week for the Arizona Cardinals on a number of fronts. We'll get into all of it next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Pickley and Murata. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader, Bickley and Marotta Mornings. I think we're trying to get as many good players and good people uh, on the team as possible. So, you know, I think every draft is important. You know, I, I think uh, this is this is a big opportunity for us to to add talent to our team, to add the right type of people that fit fit our team from both a a talent and a culture standpoint. Um, and so, this is a this is a major step in the league year of, of an opportunity for us to add those players. So, you know, I um, you know is it a three star? I don't, you know, I don't know really what that number is. I, we're just we're going to try to add as many good players and people as we can. It's Monty Austin for last Friday, the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, their pre-draft uh, press availability with uh, head coach Jonathan Gannon. Thursday is it. Round one of the NFL draft. Mm. And then, of course, you get rounds two and three on Friday and the rest of the draft on Saturday. It's a big weekend for the Big weekend for the Oh, yeah. Oh, indeed it is. Because I'll tell you right now, um, league-wide, there is not a lot of respect being paid to the Arizona Cardinals. There are a lot of people thinking that a disastrous-type season is in our immediate future. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it starts with the Philadelphia media, who, uh, you, who you have alerted me to, Jonathan Gannon, kind of 
paraphrased to the media his experience in Philadelphia, and he was torn apart by a fact-checking guy from Philadelphia who said none of this ever happened. Yeah, Warren Sharp from uh, Sharp Football mm-hmm. Analysis basically poked holes in what Jonathan Gannon said, and, and he said it at the um, the uniform reveal on Thursday right. night. And the, the quote was, I'm very comfortable talking to the media. Uh, Philly is a very hard media market. We were 9-0, and and I did my presser, and they say, Coach, we want you fired. And I said, we're the number one defense in the NFL right now in every statistical category. Why do you want me fired? You don't blitz enough. I said, well, we lead the league in sacks by 30-plus sacks, so if you want to come call the defense, then you can have at it. Uh, Warren Sharp pointed out the Eagles were never 9-0. and After nine games, the Eagles were not leading the NFL in sacks. They trailed multiple other teams in sacks. At no point did they lead uh, the NFL by 30 sacks or more. Uh, and this press uh, conference exchange never happened. Yes. And so there, there's the truth and then there's the ring of truth. And even though Jonathan Gannon paraphrased from something that never happened, what Jonathan Gannon was essentially saying is accurate. He, yeah. w- he was the whipping boy for the Philadelphia media his and Philadelphia made, fans. Yes, his comments that he made on Thursday were kind of like an amalgamation exactly. of, of his entire experience Exactly. Last year. That's exactly right. Yeah. So it wasn't like something you'd find on a transcript, which is what the Philadelphia media went looking for. So I, this is a, a roundabout way to say there's a lot of people looking at this going up. That's amateur hour over there in Arizona. You got a head coach who's talking about stuff that didn't even happen going pew, pew, pew. Well, and, and, and they're heading down. They're heading down to cover a to hang out with their quarterback, who's getting a statue unveiled after one year in college. Yeah, right. So, so there's a lot of people looking at this going amateur hour, amateur hour. I, so this is an opportunity for this football team. If I were these guys, I would be motivated by this. And Mike Florio wrote about it on Pro Football Talk. We just had Mike on at the end of the seven o'clock hour. He stood by those comments, kind of questioning the decision making by the card. Brass to be there for Kyler Murray on that weekend, as others who took exception to what Mike pointed out, uh, what what they said was there was coaches all over the league doing other stuff that was not draft related. Yeah. The difference is the Cardinals are under the microscope now because it's a new regime. They won three games. I think the 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 brass being there in Norman, Oklahoma on Saturday is on a very short list of things the Cardinals organization has done correctly in the yeah, last 18 months. I'm with months. you on that. I'm with you. Both things can be true. I'm not doubting Mike Florio when he says there are teams in the league going, what are they doing? Well, it's also, it's not just that it's a new regime. It's a new regime where everyone in the regime has no experience. That's it. That's it. It's it. That's exactly right. It's, it's a head coach who didn't even know he was interviewing for the job before the Super Bowl. Well, I, and I, then I, a Effectively got the job the next day. I don't know. I mean, Monty Austinport's got no GM experience, but he's been a 20-year guy in front yeah. offices. Yeah, but 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 Jarrett's right. He's never been the guy who's had to wear true, everything. True, Now, if the Cardinals show up on Thursday night and they draft a kicker, number three overall, <laughs> I think Florio's definitely bolstered in no, what he said. Well, listen, uh, but again, I think both things can be true here. I think that I think Monty Austinport could go, hey, you know what? Our draft board is set or pretty much close. We can do this. Yes. We can, we can j- jet out of here and come back. And he and Intimated as much on Friday, saying, look, the name at the top of the board was pretty unanimous, and I, I have a feeling I know who that player is. It all depends on what happens in front yeah. uh, of the Cardinals, especially mm-hmm. at number two with Houston. I hope they take Will Levis. I hope the Cardinals are in a well, situation to draft Will Anderson. I wonder what the what the perception is going to be if the Cardinals stay at three and the player they pick is not Will Anderson. I think they are opening the floodgates for all kinds of criticism. The problem with that is you have 
have to find somebody who's willing to move up. Mike Florio is correct. Most teams want to move down. It's hard to find a team that wants to give up all that capital. Oh, yeah. To yeah move teams up are a couple looking of to do spots. that. Teams, yeah. What the 49ers did was rare. You don't move up without a, a clear target in mind. Yes. And so what the 49ers did with Trey Lance was that, that was the ultimate boot. Who'd they trade how that with? worked out. Who'd they trade with for that pick? Oh, I'd have to go back. Okay, whatever. So, yeah, and look at how terrible that worked out for. Look how terrible Mitch Trubisky worked out for the Bears. Yes. So the moving up thing is often a losing proposition, which is why if if you can trade down for one of these high-rent picks, you do it. You do it every day of the week. And if they stay at three and Tyree Wilson is the guy and they pick him? The, the criticism will be immediate because they didn't oppor- you know capitalize yep. on that opportunity to get as many draft picks as they it's could. True. But he could turn out to be a, a league wrecker. We don't know. You don't know. You don't know. So I, I do think that it's it's obviously going to be a big weekend for this football franchise because um, I, it, they need to stop this drafting malfeasance that existed with the previous regime because that, that created a cycle mm-hmm. of covering your backside, bringing in outside guys, hoping to fill holes. It, it just it created uh, a, an untenable situation. Yeah, and we still, I mean, we still don't have any clarity on the Buda Baker situation either. There's which, that. I mean, players even spoke about it at the uniform reveal that, hey, that was, that was tough to hear. You want your team leader to be on board with what you're trying to do. And I understand the reasons why Buda Baker is making the stance that he's making right now <laughs> because of his, it, it, you know, the, it, the security issue in his contract just is not there. And, and let's, to say it's not a thing, it's a thing. He asked for a trade. Even DeAndre Hopkins has not officially asked for a trade. That is correct. <laughs> I mean, he's probably contacted thirty NFL teams. He's asked uh, other teams to trade for him, but he mm-hmm. hasn't put it yeah. out in public like Buddha did. He has not. You're right. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Game 5 looming in Suns Clippers. How much fight do the Clips have left? We'll get into it with uh, Andrew Greif, who covers the Clippers for the LA Times next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Clippers now. Yeah, Suns back home at Footprint Center tomorrow night with a chance to close out the Clippers in five games in the first round playoff series. Here to give us the Clippers perspective. Kind enough to join us once again. He covers the Clips for the LA Times. Andrew Greif, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Andrew, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks again for having me on. Um, We've commented a lot in this series, especially after what we saw over the weekend. It's 3-1 on paper, which might indicate that it's been easy, but this has been anything but easy for the Suns. Lots of fight in the Clippers in the first four games. They are a pesky bunch led by Russell Westbrook. But, you know, as as we get closer to Game 5, what kind of feeling do you have on the remaining fight in the Clippers for the rest of this series? they got to be discouraged. Discouraged. Uh, I didn't sense sort of the results slipping necessarily. Okay. I was in the locker room. They, they closed the locker room um, after Saturday's 
game four went by Phoenix. And so I was really the only one in there <laughs> because it just by happenstance. So I was in there talking to a couple guys, a couple players and Eric Gordon and Avita Zubats. They both were like, this is really hard. Even Eric Gordon said, we basically have to play a perfect game. Mm-hmm. Um, re- referencing not having Kawhi Leonard, not having Paul George. But uh, I don't think that you're seeing them sort of lose the hope. And I'd have to give a lot of that credit to, um, I mean, just the veteran nature of the group, like, but also Russell Westbrook, I mean, he's sort of not going to go out there and sort of give half effort. Um, that's, we don't know how he's going to shoot night tonight. We don't know how he's going <laughs> to handle right. the ball, but you sort of always know that you will get the maximum effort from him. And I think that is something that if you are a team that's just trying to close out these Clippers, it's got to be pretty annoying, right? Like, Hey, just go away. Yeah. Oh. Like you, you're down three, one, like, come on. But I, I don't sense that um, the fight is gone, but yeah, Eric Gordon, I think put it perfectly. Like it, the margin for error is so slim. They essentially have to shoot the ball extremely well, not turn the ball over more than probably 10 times um, and not allow the free throw gap to be as big as it has been. I can't Im- imagine the lament that must, must consume the fan base when you see the fight of the, of the supporting cast and think of how good this team could have been with PG and Kawhi. Um, is, is it just assumed that Kawhi is not playing game five? Five is that is that candle of hope still flickering? Well, we, there is going to be practice today in about two hours um, here in LA uh, for the Clippers. So we'll get the kind of the most up to date information on Kawhi's status. But there is nothing leaving post game Saturday made me think, oh, oh, de- they're definitely back. Um, Kawhi and PG are back. I just I did not sense that. Um, so it's, I would be surprised, I guess, today if we learned that Kawhi was playing um, based just on the mood, on the tenor of the conversations I had Saturday before and after the game. Uh, but I don't think you should extinguish the hope. But, uh, yeah, it's I, I wouldn't say it's looking good. Andrew Greif from the L.A. Times, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. It's rare territory for the Suns to be up in, in free throw attempts. Uh, they, they're one of the worst teams in differential throughout the year. Obviously, that changes when you add Kevin Durant. But with the way that the Clippers are attacking the basket, and Russell Westbrook specifically, 29 field goal attempts on Saturday, Andrew, zero free throws. Have you been able to glean any kind of frustration from the Clippers side of things on, on how this series has been officiated? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> after after game three, when the differential was 21 free throws in Phoenix's advantage, um, one of the players in the locker room just said, this is outrageous. And he rolled his eyes um, at me and it was just like, you, ha- you because the way they came into the series wanting to play Phoenix was they had to play physically. They had to be, uh, kind of initiate the contact defensively and really make them feel it. And you're seeing that with Russell Westbrook, especially come from behind and poke the ball away from KD or block him from behind. I don't think I've any, ever seen anyone defend him quite that way before, no. um, that effectively. But that was the game plan, was play physically. What, now, when they're not getting calls or they're being whistled um, on the defensive end, it sort of puts them on their heels. They're a little bit more tentative, and it's kind of throwing off what they hoped would be their plan of attack, assuming um, that in the playoffs there would be maybe a little bit more leeway to have some contact. Um, Their lack of calls on offense on game four with all the pain attempts they had, especially Russell Westbrook, they they very carefully tiptoed around getting fined for any comments around officiating. But, but yeah, there's absolutely frustration there. Um, It was Russ who said basically his mentality going into game five is, Keep attacking, keep attacking, and hopefully I get calls. 
I know that going into game four, Ty Lue wanted to, to really pick up the pace and, and try to make the Suns pay a price for the, the heavy minutes logged by their by their three stars. What do you think about that as not, not Ty Lue's strategy, but the viability of the Suns going forward from your experience? It, what do you make of the minutes usage issue? It's something that has been kind of a talking point on the Clippers side. Um, you know, not just necessarily like the, uh, within the team, but sort of on the media core too, because we're just watching these numbers go up, go up, go up. And um, it does make me at least wonder sort of the viability of, of a son's, you know, going four rounds. Um, if they're going to have to rely this much on really their three core guys, you know, 42 to 44 minutes a night, that's just really hard. And I know that the playoffs, this is probably going to be the most condensed schedule of a series the, the Suns play, right? I mean, everyone's been sort of in consternation. They've only had one two-day break in the series. I'm sure if they keep advancing that there will be probably larger gaps in the schedule of which to rest. But, uh, yeah, it's, it seems pretty hard. And, he, and I, for me, it, it kind of – I realized that it was sort of a concern just the way that Monty had talked about it before game four where – I believe he would said that you know, I didn't. I don't want to do what I did in Game Three again. I don't want to have to play those guys that many minutes. You know, when, when the coach is saying that, and especially with Monty, I, I believe everything he said. Like, you, you can tell that there's some like, hey, we're winning at what cost? Uh, I think you know Durant's the shot making is so good that that's going to give them a chance no matter what series they're in if they advance. But yeah, I, I do think about, you know, look, Chris Paul has an injury history. Um, Katie does too. Yeah. And so that does, it gives me a little bit of pause. Andrew Greif, who covers the Clippers for the LA Times, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. We saw Ty Lu switch up the starting lineup for game four. He goes back to Marcus Morris, who really hadn't played much in the series at all. Nick Batum goes to the bench. Morris was not good in game four. Is there another adjustment, uh, adjustment per Personnel-wise, you think could be coming from from Ty Lue or uh, maybe a, more of a Robert Covington role? I mean, what what does he play next? I think the maybe last adjustment for the starting lineup would be to remove Morris and put in Terrence Mann. Okay, uh, Mann is all energy all the time. He's a Swiss Army knife. He's played every single position from one through five this year at various times. He's um, kind of been frustrated by that because it's hard to know your role, right? When you, any given night, you can play center and you're six foot five or you can play point guard. Um, but I, I do think that that may be the last adjustment to make. Batum, I was, really wasn't comfortable as a starter. Um, I think that it's better for him to come off the bench where he can be a little bit more involved offensively moving with handoffs and not just stand in the corner. I think he can throw a guy out of rhythm. I think it threw Morris out of rhythm too. Uh, late in his, kind of late March uh, when he was starting to get out of the rotation. Morris has always been one of Tyloo's um, go-tos because he pr- thinks that it provides better fit with Kawhi and PG. But when you don't have Kawhi and PG, uh, you know, you don't have a guy who theoretically can space out the defenders away from them because you have a threat of an outside shot. I don't know how much value there is. And he shot three for 13. So yeah. shot making is one of, and tough shot making is one of Morris's best assets. And it wasn't happening. Uh, defensively, it was just so-so. So if, if he goes away from that, I could see it being Terrence Mann because gotcha. he really hasn't trusted Robert Covington a whole lot this year. All right, lastly, the Russell Westbrook uh, revelation this series has been staggering to a lot of people, how a guy went from playing in one uniform in that building to the other and the difference in how it's looked. Give us the context of, of what we're watching here. How's that going to play out in Los Angeles? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a real 
I wasn't sure in February when they signed whether, uh, you know, what his future looked like next year. Does he have a place in the league? I think it's pretty safe to say now that the way he's adapted and shown he's malleable, uh, can work around, uh, you know, different kind of environments. One night he has to be a scorer, one night he has to be a assist guy. And he's been disciplined in his shot selection. I think that he's definitely got a place in the league next year, which is probably the biggest picture way to look at it. Um, I, I would say, I would put it like this. On the first day he signed, he comes to the press conference, And I asked him, what did it mean to you to come from basically the the Lakers where there were players there who were campaigning for a trade for Kyrie Irving publicly, which would have required him to be sent out? And what's it like to come here where there were players when he was just about to be traded, Paul George, Marcus Morris, who were actively campaigning for Russ to come. They were saying, we want him, we need him. And Russ said that it felt great to be wanted. And I think what you're seeing is a guy who just feels like I'm valued here. Um, it's, it's probably not like the ideal fit in some ways, but just the mere fact that he knows he's wanted and what he does is what they need him to do. I think you're seeing a guy just play with more confidence. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, maybe it sounds hokey. Uh, it's hard to quantify that, but I just really get a sense from talking to him and, and the executives around the team who also didn't expect it to go this well, um, that they feel like it's just a matter of a guy feeling like he's um, got a little bit more purpose with this team. Yeah, interesting. A- Andrew, great stuff. Thanks so much for joining us again. We really appreciate it. Oh, anytime. Thank you so much. Andrew Greif, he covers the Clippers for the Los Angeles Times. He was our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. You can score the hottest ticket in town, Suns playoff tickets. Just text the word TICKET to 620-620. That'll get you registered. And then listen for your name today in the noon and 5 o'clock hours for your chance to qualify for Game 5 tickets to see the Suns take on the Clippers. Once again, that's TICKET to 620-620. Coming up next, it's not all about the Suns and the Clippers in the Western Conference. Big storylines in the other three Western playoff series. We'll get into those storylines next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley Murata mornings on this Monday live from the Auction Community Studios. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Jared Carlin, Sarah Cazell taking you up until 10 o'clock. We've had a lot of talk about Suns and Clippers. Of course, that series continues tomorrow, maybe concludes tomorrow. A rare home closeout situation for the Suns. But, man, every day that passes, I think the Western Conference playoffs as a whole get more and more interesting. Maybe outside of Phoenix and and the Clippers series. Um, Look, the Lakers and the Grizzlies... Dylan Brooks. <laughs> he says, okay, I, he says he likes to poke the bear. That's not all he likes to poke. Apparently, well, apparently, listen, I, I'm going to say this because I think the NBA has got a really, really growing issue on their hands with some of this garbage that is happening. It's in, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The punching um, of the of the groin area, the kicking. Um, the it, development is nuts. It's. <laughs> N-U-T-Z. So, yes, it is. It it has been nuts. I totally agree with you. Here's the thing that I'm looking at. When you look at hockey, the reason why there are fights in hockey is to prevent lesser players from getting into the stars physically and marginalizing the stars. That is the genesis of fighting in hockey. And there are times over the weekend when I thought, you need that in the NBA these days. You need some of these clowns 
to be held accountable, to not feel like they can get away with this kind of stuff. Yes. If I'm Adam Silver, I'm really uncomfortable with a lot. Well, sleeping in a coffin would make anybody uncomfortable. I don't know. Come what, on, Jared. I didn't get anything out of you for that. Is it lined with uh, the satin? That might be comfortable. <laughs> Come on, Farron. Of course it's I uncomfortable being a stone on top of a building. <laughs> the gargoyle. Perching for Perching. that long. Perching is not comfortable. Right. I see so, for those knees. Though. Yes. So there's, uh, there's some issues here, man. You can't have superstars being marginalized and... Attempted to be injured by these goonish. Well, what Dylan Brooks did, and if you missed it, trying to disguise a punch to the groin as a reach in. I mean, it's a behind the back dribble and he's reaching for a steal. Yeah, Yeah, whatever. And then he says this afterwards. I didn't even focus on that. I knew I wasn't going to be, you know, they can't dictate the series like that, you know. Um, And, you know. Mark probably had to call that because of what happened yesterday with James Harden, and that's just unfair, you know. Um, and I get penalized, and you know I can't help my team, you know, try to make a comeback in the second half. Yeah, because of your actions, and yeah. then you have the gall afterwards when you avoid suspension to come out and say this is a media creation making me a villain. Your whole career. Going back to Oregon, you have worn the hat of the villain, and now you're going to blame it? I think the NBA screwed... Look, I am no Lakers fan. I'm no no LeBron James fan. But the NBA screwed up royally. If you're going to consider the past actions of Draymond Green and handing out a one-game suspension, no, it hasn't been as long, and it's not as storied a career of being the villain, but Dylan Brooks might be worse than Draymond Green. Yeah. Because that's the only function he serves on a basketball court. Draymond Green's a smart offensive player and a really good defender right. who has that checkered past. They should have suspended Dylan Brooks. Without there, question, yeah. he should have been suspended. Well, listen, and, and again, this this clown show, I, it, you always see the, the Lance Stevenson blowing in the ear of LeBron. You remember that from oh, back in the yeah. day? Oh, yeah. It, it, this is the kind of stuff that if you're running the league, you you don't want this stuff on display night in and night out. Right? Lesser, really, players who are existing to do nothing but injure or get in the heads of your superstars. This is not what it's supposed to be about. This cheap shot basketball, uh, to me, it's got to get reined in. I totally agree with you. And it's the same guys over and over that are doing it. Yep. Uh, So he avoids suspension. The Lakers, I think, are going to come out on, on top in that series when it's all said and done. Uh, and that was with John Morant coming back from injury and then just catching oh, fire. He was, he was ridiculous down the stretch of that game. Then yesterday at Game 4 in San Francisco, Draymond Green back from his suspension. He comes off the bench. The Warriors hold on to beat Sacramento. Great uh, game. And here was uh, Steve Kerr on why Draymond was brought off the bench. It becomes a one big game instead of a two big game. Uh, so the spacing was an issue in the first two games in Sacramento. And the, the, the spacing was part of the reason for the turnovers. Um, so you take Draymond out and you put Jordan in. And now you got you know, four players around the three-point line. One big. It, it just creates pass lanes, driving lanes, and uh, makes the game easier uh, on our offensive players. And Draymond Green uh, played his part. He accepted the role. He said, it's not up to me. Uh, doesn't matter if I'm coming off the bench or not. I'm going to try to help my team win. And yeah. predictably, that series
series well, is held, the home home court is held through the first four games, and I have got this real sneaking suspicion on how the rest of it's going to go. I, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I agreed with that going into the weekend, but the fact that the Kings almost stole that thing at the end, um, Mike Brown really should have diagrammed something a little different because you've got to have De'Aaron Fox shooting that ball, and, and basically there were two defenders waiting for him. And the look that Harrison Barnes got was a good look. And he's, Almost, hit, he's it, hit big shots it, in the past. He too. has, and it, it was the shot was on target. If that thing would have gone in, we're looking at the end of the Warriors, right in the face. Because the Warriors are not winning Game Five in Sacramento down three one. Nope. So that, yeah, I think Sacramento wins at home. I think the Warriors win Game Six in San Francisco, and I think somehow just they'll find a way. Somebody will find a way. To have the Warriors win Game 7 in Sacramento. Yes, I, I, I'm i not saying I disagree with that, but I'm saying I'm not sure Sacramento doesn't get this thing done in 6. But we'll, we'll see. So the Kings are they're, they're interesting. They're a team with not a ton of definition, but they do get out and run. Oh, yeah. They get out and go. Yeah. And how about Steph Curry calling a timeout they didn't have? <sighs> Right well, of all, and, and, of all and, players, and Curry right. took a little bit of uh, blame for that too because they had to, they they challenged the call, they lost the challenge, and he didn't remind everybody that they didn't have a timeout. <laughs> oh, left. okay. Well, that's so Curry, that's bad coaching. Curry got caught by that, and Curry kind of fell on the sword. But man, could you imagine had the Warriors lost that that's, game? That and seems, came down to that. That seems hard for me to to believe because every every staff has got that guy who will jump in a timeout or jump in a huddle and say, "Remember, no timeouts. Remember, no timeouts." So I'm. Thinking Steph Curry might not have been paying attention. I think Steve Kerr's taken one for Maybe he was fiddling with his mouthpiece or something. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that ironic? That's another thing Adam Silver's got to get out of the league. The one person on the court, you're like, obviously I trust Steph with the ball. Yeah. Right, right. Dumb mistake. And then yeah. that Denver Minnesota game last night, it looked like you know Minnesota was going to win comfortably. And man, you want to talk about a team that <laughs> just squandered a lead and has to feel lucky to be still playing basketball mm-hmm. after the way that game ended. Mm-hmm. That it, twelve point lead in less than two minutes gone, and the the, the, the Timberwolves just froze up offensively. Yeah. And then to their credit, you know, got it together in, in overtime. But they're playing on borrowed time. Yeah, Denver Denver in five. Uh, yeah, there's. Uh, I, I think this has been a very interesting playoffs. And it, when you add in the injuries and the suspensions, it's unfortunate that you're not having full complements of players go at it night in, night out. But I think it's added to the intrigue. Coming up next, we'll hit some social uh, media, social studies with Sarah Cazell. Straight ahead, Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.